On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, it's all good at Badlands Baseball Academy and a throwback to a chat with a recent birthday boy. Welcome to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. First off, I just want to say thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast every week. It's been a ton of fun giving you some of the cool stories we've been working on in a different fashion. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe so you get it every week. Now that the new year is here, we can now officially start looking forward to baseball season, and that will be prime time for us, so you don't want to miss a minute of the action. And while you're subscribing, do us a favor and give us a rating and review. Doing those things will help us become more visible on each of the platforms, be it Google Play or Apple Podcasts. All right, now to this week's episode. We'll begin with our 1 through 9 series. Before Christmas, we started profiling the baseball academies here in Alberta. Our journey began in Oktoks at Dogs Academy, and then we went over to Vauxhall Academy. This time around, we head out to another rural setting. Oyen, Alberta is where you'll find the Badlands Baseball Academy. It's been operating since 2011, and with more on the history and what's to come for that facility, we chatted with head coach Jeff Amos. Jeff, let's talk about the very beginning. 2010, how did this idea for a new academy near Oyen all come to be? Yeah, I think that credit would go to uh, Doug Jones. And Doug is basically a guy from Oyen, and he was one of the original signees uh, with the Vauxhall Academy, actually. And he was kind of the guy uh, who got PBA up and running as well. So he kind of got those two programs up and going, and obviously they've done extremely well and kind of got, they were kind of the original two, uh, both from the college standpoint and the academy standpoint. And being from Oyen, I think he always wanted to kind of get something going in his hometown. So it took him, you know, another six or seven years, but that was kind of the goal, and he was able to kind of get some government grant money and stuff like that through um, his connections in politics. And, you know, about six, seven years later after Vauxhall, uh, this one got going. So that's kind of where it where it started um, and how it ended up in Oyen, Alberta. Yeah. It's been a, a fascinating watch only because uh, I've always argued that some of the, the best athletes I've ever seen have come from the smaller areas. And this is one of those areas that there's not a lot around, but at the same time, there's a lot of real good athletes out there. And I, I assume one of the big mandates of of Badlands is to make sure that you're looking at all the local kids and seeing what you've got for talent there. Yeah, for sure. Like we don't have the big population. We don't have the big population within two or three hours of us. So we find that some of the best kids that we've had in our program have come from small little rural areas, even if it's not in Alberta for maybe different parts of the country. Actually, one of the best kids that we had was actually a local kid. Uh, his name was Dawson Ruskowski. And when we came out here, uh, me and my assistant coach, Elliot, we actually coached the regular high school baseball team. So uh, I didn't know what to expect at all. I mean, a high school baseball team in Alberta, I had never seen anything quite like it. The first practice, I actually had everybody show up in jeans and their fancy little white belts and, uh, you know, uh, golf shirts and all that stuff. And this one kid, he was just a local kid, never played ball before, had the, had the $30 Canadian tire glove. <laughs> and he said, well, what do you have to do to get in the academy? And we had just been out here for a couple of months, so we needed kids. We needed kids to fill our roster for September. And I said, I'll take you. I'll give you a chance. 
and he ended up going to uh, North Dakota State, which is a Division One school, um, and never really played. He was just a raw athletic kid who had never really done anything except played hockey in the in in Oyen here. And his parents kind of put him in the program just to try to get him out of trouble and just you know kind of give him something to do and stay focused on. So you don't uh, you don't know what you have. Like sometimes these kids just need a chance, and I think. In a lot of cases, the kids in these small communities—they're—they're they're so busy with farming and 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 their everyday lives that they don't have these chances to 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 gain these experiences or get the exposure they need. So you never know who's gonna who you're gonna find in those little little thousand-person towns. You bet. And one of the things that is also a, a big thing when it comes to smaller towns is is just the the way that the community is able to rally around and whether it's school boards, that kind of thing. That's got to be a mm-hmm. real important aspect of, of what you guys do. Well, you have you depend on it. I mean, you depend on everybody in the community getting behind you because you need billets, number one. And in a small town, billets are very hard to come by. And it's a big commitment. So, I mean, if you're looking at a 100,000-person town and you need, say, 20 billets, well, we've got a 1,000-person town and we need 16, 18 billets. So you definitely depend on it from that standpoint. You depend on it from, you know, the sponsorship standpoint and the school standpoint. I mean, our school here with the academy, I think this year is around 90 kids. So our grad class is, I think, a 30, 33%, about a third um, of the graduating class. So from the school standpoint and the school board standpoint and the community standpoint, I think when you have something in a small town, you just depend on everybody that much more just because you don't have as many options to get that sponsorship money or to get those billet families. So the people that you do have, you really depend on them. And, and for the most part, you know, they've done a great job of stepping up and helping build the program. And despite the distance that you guys have between yourselves and some of the bigger centers, you guys still manage to put on quite the schedule for the kids so that they're make they're maximizing their baseball experience. Talk about some of the a the offerings you guys have, but beyond that is what's a typical schedule like for Badlands? Yeah, I think our schedule is pretty much like the other academies. I think we're all very comparable in that regard where we try to play a you know, 25, 30 game fall schedule. We try to get another, you know, 30 to 40, you know, plus games in, in the spring, take a good, you know, winter trip down to down South, down to Vegas. Uh, like you mentioned, our biggest challenge is, is travel and that becomes our biggest cost. So we have to make sure that when we do travel, we're trying to play teams that a extremely high competition. And that's one great thing about being out here, whether you're playing the prospects or Vauxhall, Okotoks, you know, junior dinos, whatever they might be, you're playing great teams all the time. So the kids are exposed to some of the better players in the country. Um, the tournaments we try to go to, we try to make sure again, quality tournaments. If you're going to spend a lot of money on hotel rooms and busing and for us to go anywhere, uh, you know, it's going to be a two, $3,000 day. So we've got to make sure that we're, we're, getting games that are going to give the kids some exposure and play the kind of competition that they're out here to play. Mm-hmm. You guys also have the ability of, of really kind of having a baseball oasis in the middle of the, the prairie <laughs> flatland landscape yeah. that you guys have. Talk about some of the facilities that you guys have been able to build out over the years. Yeah, the field's kind of a work in project, uh, work in progress. It's it's the field surface is coming along good. We want to do some upgrades to the dugouts and stuff like that. But the actual field's a real nice ballpark, especially for a town this size. But I think that our kids take a lot of pride in it as they get to look after it. And there's nobody else that uses it really, except maybe a few days a year. So it's really our field, and that's that's something that I think our kids um, 
are excited about and they have their locker room and their uh, weight room and everything right beside the ballpark and their you know games room and ping pong tables and all that stuff and then this time of year we're fortunate yeah we get a real nice indoor facility it's uh maybe seven or eight minutes out of town about 13 14 000 square feet it's all turfed out and it's kind of funny because when you bring kids in for visits to recruit you kind of pull up to this old abandoned building out in the middle of nowhere literally where you can't see another building or car for miles and miles and miles and they kind of just look like what is this and then you take them inside and turn the lights on and they're kind of like i can't believe this is here in the middle of nowhere so uh we're lucky to have that and again we're the only ones who use that so it's great that the kids can have a place of their own where they're the only team that gets that that has that they don't have to share it with anybody they can leave their stuff out there all the time and we and we use it five or six days a week. So yeah, for a little place in the middle of nowhere, we're really proud of the facilities that we've kind of built and what we have. Um, I think we've really utilized our options as best we can, and I think the, the kids really enjoy what they have here. What is the key for you guys to be able to bring up not just good ball players, but also? Uh, good human beings at the end of the day, because that's one of the things that I get out of these conversations with yeah. different academies is is making sure that you keep a goal in mind, but also make sure that you've got your your academics uh, worked out as well. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest perk of the academies. And I don't think it's a single thing. I don't think you bring a kid in and say, hey, you have to have an 80 percent to stay on the field. You have to, you know, make sure your marks are able to get you into this university or that university because every kid comes in at a different academic level and i think some of our best stories and i'm sure the other coaches probably could could vouch for the same thing is that maybe you bring a kid in who's got 50s or 60s his whole life but comes in and all of a sudden he's in a in a school where maybe you don't fall through the cracks or you're with a bunch of guys on the bus who also have to get their homework done where it's not you know uncool or you're or it's kind of frowned upon to do your homework i think in this scenario you come in and you know you have to do your school work to stay on the field you have to uh you know, you have certain obligations from the academic standpoint. Your teachers are going to constantly check up on you. The teachers are going to constantly come to me and say, hey, so-and-so hasn't got their homework done. You need to sit them from practice today. Or, hey, you need to have a talk with them, talk to his parents. I think in a place like this, they just know that people are watching them. And I think when you're around a group of people that are all like-minded and have the same goals and are trying to achieve the same things, I think it's a lot easier to be a good student and focus on that stuff. As far as life goes, hey, these kids are moving away from home when they're 15, 16 years old in a lot of cases. You know, some of them are 17, but they're but they're young men. And I think, again, it's not one thing that you you tell them or you do. You just look out for them. And you, you remember, and I know that's a fault of mine sometimes, that sometimes I forget these kids are 16, 17 years old, and in mm-hmm. some cases, three or 4,000 kilometers away from home. And I think that's a big commitment from them. And that takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts. And sometimes I think we forget that. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes have all these expectations of these kids to get off to certain schools or certain states or whatever it might be. But I think the courage that they show leaving home at that age and coming out to programs anywhere in Alberta, I think deserves a lot of respect. And I think at the end of the day, that's a big part of growing up. If they're able to take that step and come out here and meet new people and put themselves out there to live with a new family, go to a new school, make new friends, and be around good people with, with good values, I think everything just kind of looks after itself. 
there's a cool aspect of this uh, this academy and the others around this province is mm-hmm. the fact that you've got people uh, you got kids who are as you mentioned coming from hundreds if not thousands of miles away yeah. and we were talking about this before we hit the record button is that's a fairly unique aspect to what is happening here in Alberta because and you've been around sort of the the countryside here and I know you've been mm-hmm. part of the T12 tournament as well what is the word on the street about uh, baseball here in Alberta and and what is the big draw that is allowing kids to uh, or giving kids the desire to uh, come out here it really it blew my mind really when I first came out here. I didn't really know what to expect. I knew Vauxhall was out here. Uh, I had met Les I think once before, uh, just when I was out here doing some touring around kind of thing. But coming moving out here from Ontario, there's a million elite programs, and when I say a million, I mean it's getting so watered down. But there's probably now a hundred of these programs that are in southern Ontario alone and there's obviously from a population standpoint a ton of good ball players back there but I never really viewed Alberta as a baseball province or having a ton of baseball talent or a place where kids would go to develop to get opportunities but it, it is amazing it's very unique and I think a lot of the kids come from out east a lot of our rosters eastern kids and I know uh, some other programs as well and I think the kids really, from a competition standpoint, it's Alberta's gained a reputation, A, from ex- from an exposure standpoint, but B, if you want to play a high caliber of baseball, Alberta has become the place to do that. And if you want to get opportunities, again, Alberta has become the place to kind of do that. And I think, you know, before even PBA or Vauxhall, I don't think that was ever really really something that anybody would have thought of doing but i think to the credit of the programs out here you've now got an entire country and provinces willing to send their kids to these programs further develop or to get opportunities but it's it's just an extremely unique situation uh and and i think it's only going to get better i mean you see you see kids coming like i said from you know, whether it be PEI, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and a lot of their goals when they're 12, 13, 14 years old is to develop to be good enough to go to an Alberta academy, which is is incredible when you think about it because it just shows how far baseball in this province has really come. And I suppose that really speaks to the graduation pro, uh, projections, but also the ability to move on. And one of the things that we've noticed over the last year and a half since launching Alberta Dugout Stories is mm-hmm. that there's a lot of kids who are heading down to not just to junior colleges in that state side, but there are some kids who are going right up to Division One. Yeah. I mean, there's some great players. I mean, you see that you see that tournament 12, and not just from Alberta. I mean, the country really does have some really good baseball players and it doesn't matter where they're from i just think as a country baseball is continuing to develop and get better and better and better and at the end of the day like i said it, it, it doesn't matter if a kid's from ontario alberta wherever i mean there's kids in this country that are getting opportunities now that didn't exist before so yeah there's some a lot of alberta kids now are getting great opportunities to not just go down to the states but to go down to the states and get great schools or to go down to get you know to junior colleges and end up transferring to great schools I think there's a reputation in Alberta now that if kids come out here and they're in these programs, that they're going to get opportunities to go down to the U.S. And I think, again, going back to the academic side of it, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a joint thing. If you have the academics and you have the skill, 
opportunities will present themselves. But yeah, Alberta's, I think Alberta's doing as good a job as, as anybody in the entire country of, of getting not just Alberta kids, but kids who come from here from other provinces down to the next, down to the next level. Yeah. You've had a, an interesting path to getting to Oyen, one that includes Miami and Toronto and, and now Oyen. And I'm wondering from your one standpoint, sound like the other, does it? <laughs> one thing does. Yeah. But you've had an, it's a fascinating path that yeah. way. And I wonder what does it mean to you being from a bigger, bigger community in a bigger center to come to a smaller town and be a part of something that is quite unique. What does it mean to you to be a part of all of this? Well, I think in any job or any business, if you have a chance to start something and build it from the beginning, it always has a little bit more meaning to you. And for me, um, I remember me and my assistant coach, uh, Elliot Shrive, were actually uh, at a Toronto Raptors game. And I got a call about this job. We were sitting there watching the game and we're talking about it and talking about it. And I was doing a million different things at the time. And he kind of said to me, he's like, you got to do it, Jeff. He's like, just go out and do it. Try it for a year or two. And I said, well, I'll do it. But the condition is that you've got to move out with me and be my assistant coach and, and we'll do it together. So we kind of came up with a plan of a year or two and eight years later, we're still here and it's been a blast. I mean, when you have a chance, like I said, to build something and to see it kind of develop, I mean, the first couple of years were rough. I remember we had Vauxhall up here for our first ever home game and I mean, I had to apologize to Les. His kids were getting such a big workout running around the bases on us, you know, they were... uh, (laughs) You know, and and I didn't know what to expect, but I think as the years have gone by and we've got better kids in and not just better players, but we're able to get really solid people in here now and the community's really got behind it. And I think, you know, it's something that I know we're really proud of. And I think the kids now take pride in being a part of the program and you see them wearing their clothing around a little bit more and they're excited to tell people where they've signed. And I think from that standpoint, coming from a big city and seeing something develop in a small town from really nothing. Yeah. It's something that, uh, Hey, you know, if I didn't enjoy it and wasn't proud of it, we wouldn't be here eight years later, but I think it's something that we want to continue to try to build and make better. And it's awesome seeing kids move on and get opportunities. If you were to get your crystal ball out and let's say 10 or 20 years down the road, where do you see this Academy going? I mean, that's a really tough question just in the way that I don't think I envisioned where it is now, even five or six years ago. So I think we'd like to get a nice indoor facility moved right to town. I think that would be a big thing. I think we'd like to, um, you know, continue to, to maybe up our roster a little bit, how to do that. Who knows? I mean, like I said, billets is a big, a big challenge. I think down the road too. I mean, I, we we'd really like to keep presenting more and more opportunities for rural Alberta kids. I think right now we bring a lot of kids in from out east in different provinces, and we do have a lot of Alberta kids. But I think in a perfect world, Alberta academies should really support Alberta kids. And I think that's something that, as we continue to move forward, we want to try to promote uh, ourselves and try to pro- provide with with opportunities to some of these rural local kids, because I think that's what we are and we're never going to be the million person town. We're never going to have the, the massive, massive population to draw from. And I think that's okay. So I think we want to just really be proud of what we are and keep trying to build on what we are and, and who we are. And that's a small town with a very good high school and great teachers and good community support. 
and wherever it goes, it goes. But I don't think it has to become anything, anything more or anything special. Or, or I think that's what's unique about these academies out here is that every one of them is different. And I think that's a really good thing because kids have choices. And I think that that's something that I think that's why they're all successful in a way is because they are different. And I think if they were all the same and we all tried to do the exact exact same thing as all our, our competitors, then probably wouldn't do as well. It's been uh, great to watch the Academy grow over the last eight years. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys have coming up in the future, Jeff. I appreciate the time and the insight into Badlands Academy. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. As you've noticed on our social media platforms, we like shedding light on birthdays of Major League Baseball players and coaches with Alberta connections past and present. One of those happens to be Ron Kittle. The now 61-year-old came to Alberta with Lethbridge Dodgers in 1977. In 1982, he returned to star with the Edmonton Trappers. He hit 345 with 50 home runs and 144 RBIs that season. It was insane. And last summer, Kittle returned as part of a venture done by the Western Canadian Baseball League's Edmonton Prospects. He sat down with our very own Ian Wilson to wax nostalgic about his time here in our province, and here's just some of what he had to say. I'd like to start with Lethbridge. Uh, gotcha. Just tell me a little bit about your playing time there and what uh, that, of course, was before the injury. Like, everything was kind of on the upswing and looking up. Tell me about your, your time there and just coming to Canada as well. Well, you know, I, I got hurt in Clinton, and yeah. uh, when the rookie season started in Lethbridge, I had no idea where Lethbridge was, Alberta, or Canada at the time. Yeah. You know, I'm just a young kid living yeah. in my house, you know, living in my own space. And uh, I get there, and we were overwhelmed with the people there. Yeah. Uh, you meet the new players, you know, they're out of college, you know, some of the draftees. I find a place to live. It, it, it was kind of funny is I had a Hungarian lady that okay. I rented a house for $200 a month. Yeah. And I go, $200? She's, okay, I'll take 100 I said, no, I was excited for 200 It didn't matter <laughs> to me, but she wanted to cook for us. And uh, she put so many spices in the food, I couldn't eat it. So we <laughs> ate it. It was an A1 submarine or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah that sounds all right. We yeah. ate every day there. Yeah. The same place. I yeah. ate the same sandwich, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, uh, the community was nice. Uh, the ballparks are nice. You know, yeah. we went to Medicine Hat, Calgary, yeah. all these other places. I mean, it was a third world for me, and I was away from home for really the first time. Yeah. Uh, I had a great time. Great yeah. experience with everybody. Yeah. Uh, talk about Edmonton. That's this is why you're here. 50 home runs at any level is is a huge achievement. That was that was like just such a phenomenal year for you. What clicked and what what just kind of went right for you? You know, I, I said it earlier. Uh, I should have made the big league team. I had a great spring. I, hit, yeah. I batted 15 times. I hit nine home runs. Yeah. I mean that you should be on a pedestal somewhere. <laughs> you know, I get yeah. sent to AAA and yeah. I'm a little frustrated, a little pissed. And uh, but I, I get there and. Uh, <laughs> I was ready. I, I, I had to prove somebody yeah. that I had something to do. Yeah. And I went up here, and mostly guys in the triple, they'll get called up by that time, yeah. you know, somewhere. But when you're paying X amount of dollars back and forth, and Steve Kemp was in front of me in left field in, so in Chicago making a million dollars, I wasn't going to get a chance to do anything. So yeah. uh, I stayed here. I yeah. played hard. I did what I could. Uh, you know, I wasn't trying to make a race. Yep. I mean, a year before, uh, Gary Holly hit, what, 26, 27 home runs? Right. And I hit that in the first month, yep. month and a half of the season. And, uh, you know, and besides hitting 50, I wasn't pitched. I mean, I was pitched around a lot. Yeah. I mean, that was balls behind me. You know, you had to go out there and try to focus. And it was tough. Yeah. I mean, because they didn't want to give you nothing out there to hit. And, uh 
there was a guy named Buster Keaton played for the Giants organization, and I hit two or three home runs against him. Yeah. Finally, he used to tell me what pitches were coming, and I would pop them up because I'd get a little bit too geared. And he goes, oh, I yeah. finally figured it out. Now I don't pitch you no more. Yeah. <laughs> How does it feel to be back? Like, is it uh, a lot of the memories coming back? You know, yeah, you've been back a couple times. Time. You know, I, I said it before. I wouldn't come back here if I didn't like the people yeah. or the community or the city or the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's kind of special. Yeah. You know, like I said, uh, seeing Mel today, who's had a couple health yes. issues yeah. and strokes, and uh, you know, and I'm looking at, you know, I called him. He didn't know I talked to him at all. Yeah. He couldn't remember that. And yeah. Al Coates, as good as there is on his announcer yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? His if he goes somewhere else, his story doesn't stay here. Yeah. And it's it's just another guy going around. Yeah. But uh, and Al who. You know, he talks, Alan talks to everybody, come up here. You know, he's the one that started the yeah. ball rolling. What do you yeah. think? I said, Al, I'll help you if you got time, Let me, or I got time, we'll figure it out in my schedule. But yeah. coming here, it, it's a great community, great yeah. city. Yeah. I have to hear, uh, it was referenced on the radio, you, you pitched uh, batting practice to to a pretty good hockey player, Wayne Yeah, Gretzky. I mean, it was so funny. I'm here, <laughs> and Peter Pocklington owned the team. So we yeah. came in, uh, yeah. and uh, I'm throwing to this little blonde-headed, skinny kid, and he said the shit out of the ball, excuse yeah. my language. Yeah. And uh, it was Wayne. You know, yeah. And I did it almost every other day when he yeah. was around the ballpark or when we were home. And uh, then he gives me my award in Chicago. And yeah. go, you know Wayne Gretzky? It's his last name. Yeah. I didn't. You didn't me. know at the time that it, I didn't, it was? No, yeah. I knew he was a hockey player. His name was Wayne. I didn't yeah, yeah. pay no attention were to you it. like, why is this guy getting preferential? Uh, well, no, it was just me and him because okay. I was always yeah. hitting early. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. and he would throw yeah, to yeah. me, and I would hit shit, you know, out of the yeah. out of the moon off yeah. of him. He yeah. goes, just don't hit me. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it, it was kind of special to get to yeah. know him. I also heard uh, you talk about Jasper a bit. Beautiful area, and that was. Did you get out there a lot? Did you uh, every get... time we had an off day, I would just get in my rental car and I would drive up there. Yeah. Uh, if if I had a choice, just to fall down and live somewhere and nobody will know me anywhere, I would go there. I think it's yeah. one of the prettiest places on the planet. That'll do it for this week's edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. We want to thank Badlands Academy's Jeff Amos and former Lethbridge Dodger and Edmonton Trapper Ron Kittle for joining us. Next week, Ian sits down with Drayton Valley's Shane Dawson and Toronto Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen as they were in Calgary this past weekend as part of a Strive Baseball Program clinic. Until then, thanks again for listening to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.